0: If you're a California conservative, a libertarian, a moderate Democrat, believe in common sense, or just a sane person, this is the political podcast for you. It's the California Underground Podcast. What's going on, everybody? Good morning. Welcome to another episode of Coffee in California Politics. Hope everyone is doing well on this beautiful Wednesday morning. It looks like the rain has kind of stopped here in California for a little bit. As always, we do this every Wednesday at 9 a.m. We sit and we chat. We talk about California politics specifically, and we do it over good coffee. Well, I mean, I'm drinking coffee. I don't know if you're drinking coffee, but I'm drinking coffee. Still rolling with the silencer smooth. Um, Not sponsored by them, but just like to let you know, because people always ask. And I, I, I actually appreciate that some people reached out to me and said, Uh, ever since you told me that little tidbit about how the longer you roast beans, the more caffeine's roasted out of it. Some people have actually reached out and been like, wow, I actually went out and got light roast because I thought dark roast had all the caffeine. Nope. Dark roast does not have all the caffeine. So always appreciated. And a couple announcements tomorrow night, we're going to do a podcast about, all the bills that are still sort of floating out there and what's going on with the California legislature, because even though it's good news that AB 1993 is been put on pause or she pulled it or whatever, it's, it's kind of done for the year. We kind of dodged that bullet. There's still a lot of other bills that are out there that I think need to be discussed. So I think there needs to be sort of a roundup as to what's going on. Where are these bills? What should we be looking for? Are they in committee? Have they made it out of committee? Um, there's a lot of intricacies. So if you're interested in learning more about those bills, uh, we're going to be talking about them tomorrow night. We're going to do like a, a assembly bill roundup. Um, getting more local politicians. Um, yeah, there, there are five more bad bills to go. That's correct. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. So we'll see how far it goes. Um, and that's sort of the point of today. I don't want to get too far into the weeds about AB 1993 and all those other bills because I want to talk about Uh, that stuff tomorrow night and I want to talk about tonight or today I want to talk more about like the sort of the the big picture stuff Um, and as always the top topic is going to be how far do progressives go how far and I don't even like calling them progressives you know me I I think they're regressives how far do status go until they're completely out of touch with what's going on in California and the people of California Um, and I was thinking about, and I thought this was a good question. So leave your comments and questions. That's what we're going to be discussing today. Leave that in there. Um, another announcement real quick before I get started, there's new merchandise inspired by my brownout last week by just not doing, um, Oh, someone already got the avoid brownout shirt. Yeah. Thank you. Perfect segue. Somebody already said they got it. Um, inspired by my brownout last week where I was just sitting, doing some work at three o'clock in the afternoon. It was a little bit more of a warmer day. All of a sudden power went out, whole block went out and that's it. You know, there's circuit blue or something. Um, so I, I, there's a shirt posted. I don't know why I can't get these words out today. There's a shirt posted below. It's called stop brownouts support nuclear. Um, I was going to put the five facts on the back of why nuclear is better. Uh, The fact that it's 52% of America's clean energy, that the waste is incredibly dense, that you could fit it basically in a football field that's 10 feet deep. Um, But I figured it kind of speaks for itself. Maybe that would be an interesting topic one day is why don't we support more nuclear in California? Um, So, yeah, that's new merch just dropped. Uh, Thank you to all who support. Uh, As always, anybody who supports the show, it all goes directly back into investing in this this platform. Um, growing it I was actually looking at some studio space um, this past week there may be a monthly California underground TV show in the works Um, so that could be pretty interesting Uh, but we'll see where that goes but all your support goes to fund things like that things that expand the platform make it grow get out to more people so that more people can be involved in this platform all right enough rambling and enough of the announcements let's get right into the topic the top topic of today which is how far are they going to go before people start to go you're completely out of touch and we don't really we 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 don't really agree with anything you're doing anymore um this was inspired by a whole bunch of different things that have been happening and it's sort of a, it started with the assemblyman Lee Alex Lee doing his little uh, charade at the committee meeting the other night which i did a quick video on uh, about how he got and amended a bill that was to suspend the gas tax and eventually it turned it around into it's a gas tax on gas suppliers and oil companies um so that way he could send out the soundbite which predictably enough he did he sent out the soundbite he made sure he clipped his little video and showed oh i'm i'm fighting against fossil fuels and Look at the greed of these oil corporations and I'm, I'm here to fight it because I'm Assemblyman Alex Lee. And then everybody criticized him and said that was a really dumb move. It didn't really help anybody. Thanks for nothing. And he came out and said, well, it's really ageist for you people, ageism to be saying that because I'm too young, I don't understand. Now, w- people are critiquing you because it was a dumb move and a lot of people do support it. I think a lot of people on both sides actually support suspending the gas tax. You'd see that really probably in polls across the board that people support suspending the gas tax because it helps everybody. It's probably the most, if you're talking about equity, it's the most equitable way to help people because people who drive more or have a car that takes up more gas, they're going to be able to save more money. Or people who don't drive at all don't really get to take advantage of it, but when they do, they need to. And businesses that need to fill up their gas tanks also get to take advantage of it. So I think a lot of people are behind this idea of like, So, yes, suspend the gas tax while also if you want to send out money, money back because you have billions of dollars in surplus, we're fine with that as well. Why don't you send out why don't you suspend the gas tax and send out a four hundred dollar card to every registered owner of a car here in California that's up on their registration. If you're behind on your registration, you haven't re-upped and you're not current. I don't think you should get it. But if you're a good driver and you've done everything you should do, why not? Why not do both? Why not? Why not do both? Um, But an example of like that is, you see that he did something that was not really in the best interest of Californians. And a lot of Californians looked at it and said, wait a second. um, I don't think you're doing what we want you to do. And this doesn't really help anybody. And we know that you did this because you got some clout, and you got your soundbite out there and you got your little video out there. Um, it didn't help anybody though. It didn't help the people who still have to go fill up the gas tanks. Um, Senator Weiner, one of our favorites Senator Scott Weiner. there is sort of a, uh, I mean, there isn't, <laughs> it's no coincidence that all of a lot of this crazy stuff comes from legislatures who are in the Bay area. Uh, for example, Senator Scott Wiener, we know what he has put forward. He's put forward stuff regarding um, a lot of weird sexual stuff that I, I don't even really want to talk about, but he's put forward stuff like that. Um, you have Assemblyman Alex Lee, who is grandstanding on taxing gas companies, which will just inevitably pass the gas tax onto the consumers. Um and then you have Buffy Wicks, who is from Oakland, and she proposed she was the author of AB 1993. Um, I don't know if they call it 1993. I did just call it 1993. Maybe they call it 1,993. Uh, but you start to see a little bit of a pattern that they all kind of come from the Bay Area. Buffy Wicks is from Oakland. Alex Lee is from San Jose. Senator Scott Weiner is from San Francisco. No shock there. He has proposed a bill now that he wants to expedite because he believes that gas people are, are hurting at the pump so bad, he's putting forward a bill that would expedite the upgrading and construction of more public transit. So buses, trolleys, trains, all that stuff that works in San Francisco. Oh, who's snoring? Somebody said that is uh, our Frenchie uh, Winnie. She has joined the, the, the podcast today. So if you hear snoring, that's her in the background snoring because Frenchies have a problem with snoring. So if you do hear the, the snoring in the background, it, it's not anybody except for uh, Winnie, by Frenchie. Uh, anyway, uh, so he put forward this bill that um, would ex- expedite a lot more public transportation. I guess that works in San Francisco, but that doesn't change the fact that people are still hurting from gas prices. And there are still people who drive in San Francisco. There are still people who drive into San Francisco. There's still traffic around San Francisco. Not everybody uses public transit and a lot of the comments. And again, you can take comments with a grain of salt. They're not really the general feeling of a lot of people like Twitter, I think is only 3% of active users you see on Twitter. So the idea is that like, um, you see on Twitter, you may get a microcosm of what people are thinking, but in reality, you're not going to get the uh, the full idea. Either way, you looked at his tweet and you said after he said he was going to propose this bill. And the comments were all the same, which is how does this help us right now? How does this help people who are in need of help or need of relief at the gas pump? And that was basically the sentiment was, yay, we, we love that you want to do public transit and that it's helpful for the environment, all that stuff. I still got to go pay $7 a gallon. So how's that going to help? And again, it's out of touch. They're using this gas crisis and what's going on to push a lot of their agenda. And it's out of touch. And a lot of Californians, I think, are starting to push back where they're going, this isn't helping. This isn't doing anything for me. It's it's hurting me and my family and my ability to put food on the table and keep the lights on. Um, and I think, I don't know if my theory is this, and you can let me know in the comments of whether I'm right or wrong. My theory is this, my theory is that this kooky stuff has sort of always been going on in California. Um, and I'll say just because I started this show four years ago, or I think how many years ago, um, And back when not really a lot of people were paying attention to California politics, and it was like just me and like myself talking to a a microphone for a podcast once a week, I wasn't even doing coffee in California politics or anything like this. Um, But this kooky stuff sort of has been going on a lot in California. The difference was is that before pre COVID, I think a lot of people didn't really pay attention to it. I think a lot of people were just like, you know, California is kooky and it's a little expensive. And yeah, there, there's, there's some issues, but things had just sort of been so routine and normal at that point, people just got used to the kooky and the crazy that they just kind of said, well, this is California. We're a little kooky. We're a little crazy. We have some fringe politicians and that's just the price of living in California. Um, but a lot of that sentiment really changed after COVID Because I think a lot of people saw and a lot of their politicians were pushed to the forefront. A lot of local politicians were pushed to the forefront to the point where people go, I didn't even know what a supervisor did. I didn't even know that county supervisor had so much power. And I didn't know that a lot of these school boards had so much power. And I think people started to look at that and realize, wait a second, what the hell is going on here? Like, how long have I been asleep and now I've woken up to how kooky and crazy... California is. Um, that's my theory. My theory is that they've sort of always been out of touch and they've been able to kind of get things through when times were good and people were just enjoying their lives and going about work and just, you know, they just kind of said, Hey, you know, that's, that's California. We're just a kooky, crazy state. You know, we're kind of, we're weird and stuff like that. But I think the restrictions and the fact that California went so hard on the restrictions is blowing up in their face a little bit, because you have a lot of people who now are going, who is doing this stuff to me? Who is the politician who is making these decisions that impact my daily life? And a lot of people are really getting into their local politics, which is great. I've been advocating for local politics for a long, long time, and I'm glad that a lot of people are starting to get into this. And I think a lot of people are starting to look at things a little bit differently. And sort of the wreckage of COVID is still there. There's still a lot of businesses that went under. There's still a lot of people that are suffering under it. I mean, the supply chain issues, all of this economic stuff is a result of COVID and what happened and sort of the breakdown of our supply chains and our economic model and all that stuff that a lot of people are now starting to go back to these kitchen table politics and go, wait a second, what are you doing to actually help me? And I think a lot of people, because one, they're starting to pay attention to who these people are. And two, they're starting to realize what these kooky, crazy policies are. And three, they're starting to look at these kooky, crazy policies and go, um, that doesn't help me. That does not help me at all. And I'm not sure what you're trying to do here. Maybe it's time for a change. And I hope that a lot of people are waking up to that. And I think I've said this before, but I think it's worth repeating. There are a lot of open minds right now in California. There's a lot of people who I think are kind of looking around going, well, things are kind of crazy and it's not getting any better and things are getting a lot worse. Homelessness seems to be really getting a lot worse, no matter how much money we throw at it. Uh, The economy seems to be getting worse. Businesses are leaving. People are leaving. Housing prices are just not affordable for the middle-class family anymore. The American dream is dead in California. That's what a lot of people feel like. So that's why they leave. I've known people who have just gotten up and left and said, we're out of here. We're, we're done. We're not going anywhere. Or we're not going to stay here anymore. Um, And I think there's a lot of people who are opening their mind. And I've had people on like the red pill round table a couple weeks ago uh, where we had people on who were before COVID were you know, typical, they were Democrats, they were leftists, because they believed that was what they were. That's what it was, you just you were cool to be a Democrat or a leftist. But COVID did change a lot of people's minds. And people are coming out of it going, wait a second, what the heck is going on? And maybe I need to change what I'm thinking of. Um, And I think there are a lot of open minds. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there to really do something about it and maybe change California. Uh, I'm always the glass, ha- glass, half full sort of guy. And I think we should try and work to save California in that way that there's a lot of people who are open mind to different solutions and new solutions. Uh, I was listening to Bill Maher, who was on Adam Carolla's show. And it was interesting listening to him. And I know that you can have your feelings about Bill Maher and whatever, but he's probably the best person speaking a lot of truth to his followers and to his audience, which is millions of people regarding how dumb a lot of these restrictions are, how dumb California policies are. Um, and his favorite term is he likes to say that it's goofy. Like it's, uh, you know, we've just, his party has just gotten so goofy with a lot of stuff that he can't even stand for it anymore, that he really kind of wants to push back on it. Um, and he had said in the Adam Carolla show that he thinks, and this is, I that I completely agree with him. He thinks that at a certain point, people are really going to look at the Democratic Party in California and just go, F it. Like, that was what he said. That a lot of people are just going to look at the Democratic Party and what they're doing and just go, F it. Like, you, you don't put forward uh, real solutions. You don't put forward policies. The bureaucracy and the red tape has gotten out of control. Uh, And this was all really brought on because he had this whole issue with he was trying to install a solar panel with his house. Now, I mean, he could afford any solar panel he wants, like he's done very well for himself. And uh, it took him like all this time and it took like over a year to get the solar panel installed. And he's sitting there going, California is pushing us to go to this green energy. I'm doing what California wants me to do and thinks is the right thing to do. But there are so many steps and so much bureaucracy to get me to a solar panel that it wasn't even worth it at a certain point. And then even Adam Carolla was like 15 years ago, long before Bill Maher even had this issue. He said, I wanted to put solar panels on my home in West Hollywood or something like that. And they told him it was going to cost a certain amount of money because they had to put like the switch on the sidewalk or something like that because only L.A. County did something so crazy. And he just said, "f it," like I'm not going to put the solar panels on. But that was the point that Bill Maher was trying to make is you try and do the right thing in California. And I think there is an appetite for people to do things in California a little bit differently, maybe be a little bit more forward thinking, but let's do it better. Let's do it better. Like there's a way to do this better, like it doesn't have to come hand in hand. You don't need layers upon layers of bureaucracy and red tape and regulation and you know 11 people from 11 different departments showing up to check your solar panel to make it work like if you want to get solar panel we all want to be on the edge of like alternative energy fine let's do that but let's make it easier so that people can do that and let's make it more affordable so people can do that um you know again going back to the the new merch that was just dropped why aren't we talking about nuclear energy but anyway I think that's really where a lot of people are starting. They're, they're kind of in this place where they're going, I, I used to vote this certain way. Maybe I'll vote a certain way. Maybe they'll still vote Democrat, but the Democrat won't be so far left. Maybe the Democrat will be more moderate. Last week, we had uh, Natalie and I discuss the L.A. mayoral debate. And you saw a lot of them were really kind of trying to take that moderate position. You really got a feeling that they were all really trying to be the most moderate Democrat that they could possibly be. They almost sounded a little bit like moderate or Republicans because they were talking about funding the police. They're talking about homelessness and you can't raise taxes and stuff like that. I'm like, and this is the LA mayoral race. And they're talking about like, you can't raise taxes and bureaucracy and like red tape and, and all that stuff. And, Funding the police, you're like, this doesn't sound like Democrats from two years ago. You may be getting more of these Democrats who are right down the middle and say, look, I know that there's more Democrats and I'm going to run as a Democrat, but I'm going to propose a lot of these moderate solutions. You have probably the two most moderate on that stage last week were Rick Caruso and uh, Buscaino, who were probably the most moderate. Buscaino came out and said, something about like, we're done, we're over the restrictions, we're, we're not doing this anymore, we're done with the mandates, like the emergency's over, and I was like, wow, for him to say that on stage is pretty bold, especially coming from a Democrat to be like, we're done with COVID, we're moving on, like LA's just got to move on. Um, so it is interesting. Maybe there'll be more Democrats who are moving to the middle, which is not a bad thing. And I know it's not a bad thing because sometimes you get two choices between a, a radical Democrat and you get a moderate Democrat. And I'll vote for the moderate Democrat 10 times out of 10. Uh, so, you know, L.A., don't make the same mistake San Diego did and not vote for the best Democrat of the bunch because you just don't want to vote Democrat. Um, I personally like Rick Caruso, but that's who I'm vote, I'm pulling for. Um, but that's just me. I could do a whole show about that. So in another... Uh, oh, my mic almost fell off. In another crazy kooky bill or not bill but i should say something else that california is doing is this new task force on reparations um that's a perfect reason i'm voting on policy and track record yeah vote for the politician that makes sense in california party loyalty is not such a big thing because of the jungle primary sometimes you have to vote for the best democrat on the ballot and you're you're just kind of it stinks but you're like I'd rather hold over with this moderate Democrat than be stuck with a far leftist. Again, San Diego is a perfect example. We had two Democrats, one radical, one more moderate. Um, The radical one and now look where we're headed. So anyway, uh, in talking about a lot of kooky, crazy things, and I'm not saying that the issue of slavery is kooky or crazy or anything like that. I'm talking about this idea of reparations that is going through the California task force that Governor Gavin Newsom set up this committee um, to look into the idea of reparations. Now, the task force itself is sort of gotten a little heated in this AP article uh, from the Associated Press that they talk about what happened yesterday. So while AB 1993 died for the year, it's been put on life support or whatever. This was still going on in the background, um, and I wanted to kind of give you an update on it because my my thought when this first came out, when Shirley Weber started this, when she was Assemblywoman, Shirley Weber is now Secretary of State, uh, when she proposed this, I had thought to myself, this is sort of one of those feel-good committees where we're going to look into it. We're all going to make a bunch of money to look into it. We'll pay some of our experts to look into it. Basically, it's going to be a big cash grab for people to look into these. A lot of these committees are really just set up so that people can come in and waste your taxpayer dollars on experts and stuff that doesn't really do anything. And at the end, they come out with a finding and go, this is our finding. We're not doing anything. But thank you for giving us millions of dollars in tax dollars. I thought that's where this was going. I thought that this was sort of those symbolic um, committees that they were going to do just because they thought it would look good and that Shirley Weber would look good. But here it is, several years later, it's still going. Um, And yesterday they had a big discussion and a big vote on compensation of where the reparations are going. Uh, So I'm going to read some of it and then we'll move into comments and questions. I'll give you my thoughts afterwards and then we can move into comments and questions. Uh, More of the discussion part of Coffee and California Politics. California's first-in-the-nation task force on reparations has decided to limit state compensation to the descendants of free and enslaved black people who were in the U.S. in the 19th century, narrowly rejecting a proposal to include all black people regardless of lineage. Governor Gavin Newsom signed legislation creating the two-year reparations task force in 2020, making California the only state to move ahead with a study and plan with a mission to study the institution of slavery and its harms and to educate the public about its findings. Uh, California's task force members nearly nearly all of whom can trace their families back to enslaved ancestors in the U.S. Nearly all. So not all of them. Right. It's not all of them. This is nearly all of them whom can trace their families back to enslaved ancestors in the U.S. We're aware that their deliberations over a pivotal question will shape reparations discussions across the country. The members were appointed by the governor and the leaders of two legislative chambers. Others on the task force argued that reparation should include all black people in the U.S. who suffer from systemic racism in housing, education, employment, and said they were defining eligibility, eligibility too soon in the process. So there was one proposal that um, they wanted to basically just give a lot more uh, like housing, education, all these opportunities to anyone who is black in um, California, that was going to be their proposal moving forward, that you didn't have to prove your lineage to if you were a descendant of a slave. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot of issues with that. There's an the equal protection clause of the Constitution. There's the equal protection clause of the California Constitution as well. You can't discriminate based on race. You can't discriminate based on gender and all those things. Um, so to give one sort of one opportunity to someone, but based on their race, but not to other people doesn't really seem fair. And I heard someone, someone brought it up to me, I think in my DMS and said, what about all the people who were like Chinese slaves or people who came here indentured servitudes from Asia or anything like that? They, they don't get a voice in this. Um, And, again, this is sort of an odd thing for California to take up because California joined uh, the Union, and I pulled this up as well. Um, California joined around 1846, uh, no, 1850, right? Let's see. Um, And they joined as a free state. So they were not a slave state when they joined, and this was right before the civil war they joined as a free state um just for some historical context that california was not a slave state that was fighting for slavery in the civil war um let's see where was i uh when it quote when it comes to some sort of justice some kind of recompense we're supposed to step to the back of the line and allow caribbeans and africans to be prioritized ward said taking this long to decide something that should not even be a question in the first place is an insult. Um, Okay, this was a caller who called in and said that he supports reparations based only on lineage and expressed frustration with the panel's concerns over black immigrants who experience racism. So again, they were trying to push, and this is sort of the theme of the show, is that they were trying to push a different narrative of it wasn't reparations for those who were descendants of slaves, They were trying to push a, basically a whole new welfare system. And a lot of people, even people who are probably in support of this, looked at that proposal and said, wait a second, that wasn't the point of this. This wasn't the point to create a whole new welfare state of anyone. It's just, it's supposed to be, if you're addressing slavery here in America, you should be addressing those who are descendants of actual slavery. So already they're starting to kind of piss off a lot of people who might support this bill, but because kooky, crazy California legislature wants to take it that one step further and make it all about a new welfare state, they're starting to push people, you know, piss a lot of people off. Uh, the, 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 The reparations critics say that California has no obligation to pay up given that the state did not practice slavery and did not enforce Jim Crow laws that segregated black people from white people in the southern states. Which is what I just said—that California joined around 1850 and was not a slave state at that point. So there were a lot of people who, you know, freed slaves who came to California to find a better life, and we didn't really participate. So again, it's kind of weird why California feels the need to take on this this task um, when, in reality, it's not really an issue that plagued a lot of California. Now, I'm not saying there wasn't any sort of injustices or prejudice or anything at that time. I mean, America was still America at that time. Uh, There probably, there was a lot of prejudices. There was a lot of probably racial discrimination back then in California at the time, but it was not a slave state and there were no slaves. There was no slaves in California. Um, Another issue that someone brought up to me uh, in my DMS, and I agree with them 100% and I guess I'll tell you this quick story about when I was in high school, we were having a debate over slavery. Um, and one of my classmates who was black, we we're um, opposite ends of the, like our teacher split us up into two different sides. And I forget what side, I forget really what the question was about. I just remember what happened. We were on the opposite sides. The teacher split us up into two different teams. And basically this student, this colleague of mine looked at me and said, you know, when uh, something about when my ancestors were doing this, his ancestors were slaves and I responded to him, well, if your ancestors when your ancestors were slaves, my ancestors were kind of kicking around the hills of Italy. Like everybody in my lineage comes from from Italy and I can go back to they only came over. I think the earliest was like 1903. So slavery had long been abolished at that point. My ancestors didn't have anything to do with slavery. And I think that's going to be an issue here in California moving forward with this reparations panel is you're going to get a lot of people who are going to go, wait a second, why am I on the hook for this? Why are my tax dollars on the hook for reparations? Why is all of a sudden, because remember, any, any money that the government makes is your money. It's just they tax it and take it from you. It's not like the government is in business and people are paying the government to do anything. It's usually that, they just take your money. Um, and I think someone had brought up before and they say, well, what about Latinos? Like, what are Latinos going to do? Are Latinos going to feel slighted by this? Are Asians going to feel slighted by this? And this is an example of, is this really the most important thing in California at this point that we should be talking about? Are they starting to get a little too far off base where people are looking at this going, um, My ancestors were busy perfecting our El Pastor recipe in Mexico. Oh, I do love me a good El Pastor. Um, But is this really what people want right now? Is this really what really is, is what something that Californians need right now? Is this stuff that people are going to help them put food on the table or put gas in their car or something like that? I don't think so. And I think a lot of people are going to look at this who are not really invested in this are going to look at this and go, "Um, I don't really support this, and I don't know why we're doing this. And California, again, just keeps doing stuff that puts them farther and farther out of touch with their constituents. And again, it comes down to really it's just this sort of group of people who are from a small area basically right here. You know where you are, of politicians who come from this area pushing a lot of these kooky policies Um, and more, I guess the moral of the story is that's why you have to flip the legislature. That's why all these other areas, you got to start flipping them. You got to start flipping them because the more you flip these, the less this little area controls all of California because it's a big state and I don't think everyone agrees with what Bay Area politicians are doing. So that's sort of my rant about our our progressive politicians, or I should say status politicians getting really out of touch with California. I think they already all have been out of touch with California. I think it's just people's priorities in California have changed to the point where things aren't good. And when things aren't good, you don't have time for these frou-frou pie in the sky kind of policies. You really want to focus on like keeping your people happy. And right now they're not doing a good job of keeping people happy. Um, So... With that, that is my rant for today. I'm going to jump into the discussion portion of this, um, and yeah, someone's start off. Pretty sure Mexicans had California taken from them. So, what do Mexicans get? It's a good question. That's a good question. Do does Mexico get some sort of reparations? Does do do Mexican citizens get some sort of reparations? Because you know, John Fremont came in with his his troops and. Basically had a revolt, the bear flag revolt against it and, and took over California. Um, I mean, I guess if if you're looking at it that way, every sort of ethnicity, every race can have a grievance with the past. And that's just the way it is. Everyone nobody's history is gonna be perfect. Like, okay, so I'm Italian. Does that mean I have to pay for the injustices that the Roman Empire did? Like My ancestors, I don't even know if... I'm sure if you keep going back farther and farther, I'm sure at a certain point, maybe my ancestors, my great, great, great ancestors, um, were part of the Roman Empire. I don't think they were royalty or anything like that. Um, So anybody can go back and find an injustice with anything, really. Everyone's been warring and going back and forth and, and enslaving. There's still slavery right now. You know, there's still a thriving slave trade that's still going on now, thanks to the destabilization of Libya, thanks to Barack Obama and taking out Gaddafi. Um, not saying Gaddafi was a great guy, but sometimes these dictators in the Middle East, they know how to keep things in check. Uh, but after he fell, there was a huge rise in slavery in the Middle East. So there's still slavery going on right now in the world. It's interesting that you never really hear the left talk about that. There's still slavery going on in the, in other parts of the world. Uh, they just keep talking about the slavery that occurred here almost over 300 years ago. And I mean, you can go back. The Irish were persecuted. Italians were certainly persecuted when they first got here in America. Um, I mean, the reason we have cannabis laws and cannabis criminalization is a direct Result of racism towards Mexicans because they believe that Mexicans were bringing over a lot of marijuana and it was doping up the entire nation. They're doing it on purpose and that all these Mexicans were just coming over super high out of their mind. Um, I mean, you can go back and see a lot of racism, but I'm not sure that a lot of people are going to look at this, especially from California's perspective, and go, this is what we should be focusing on. I'm paying $7 a gallon for gas. I go to the Trader Joe's and there's regularly food shortages and I can't find food a lot of the time. Um, But yeah, this is really what we should be focused on right now. Um, But I guess the politicians on that committee think that's really important to do that right now. Maybe this, I can't remember if this started pre COVID or post COVID. I think it, I think it might've started pre COVID because I remember talking about it a while back. Um, It was a while ago when I first started talking, it may have been a couple of years ago. So You know, one of the facts I always like to bring up is that the largest mass lynching in American history was of Italians. It was actually 12 Italians who were lynched all at the same time uh, over the death of a detective in New Orleans. So. Just goes to show you. So I'm going to take a sip of my coffee while you guys come up with your questions and stuff you want to chat about. Uh, like people losing their jobs because of discrimination, because of health statuses, getting our freedom back from totalitarian policies. Um, yeah, there's that discrimination um, about how health statuses and your own medical decisions. People don't really want to talk about even if you physically can't take it or anything like that. They they still really just look at you. Um, you can't use facts to support your argument. Let's see. Uh, open border policy is another cause of human trafficking and smuggling the coyotes working with the cartels. Yeah, I, that's something that we always we don't really talk about and people don't really want to talk about. I think the the Republicans do a little bit better of a job talking about it in terms of immigration because they've learned that a lot of emotions does sell in politics. That's kind of a page they've taken out of the left is that emotions do sell in politics. And if you bring up to people like hey like do you realize that there's like human trafficking sex trafficking and trafficking of, of children going on and that like if we destroy that deterrent if we make it harder to get through that could help stop that and a lot of people don't really want to talk about that the heavy whipping cream I buy from Trader Joe's went from $199 to $329 each now and that happened under six months yeah everything's going up I I feel like if I want to go buy stuff for dinner like a simple dinner not like a crazy big dinner like if i still feel like we're walking out with like twenty dollars at minimum twenty twenty five dollars just at trader joe's to go buy stuff and you're like geez so we've had to get a little creative with what we we do beans are great dried beans in an instant pot and you can eat well and get your protein and all that stuff um jorge ventura went to the board, lots of single men with kids yeah jorge ventura is fantastic if um Yeah. If you haven't checked out Jorge Ventura, he's fantastic. One of the best independent journalists probably in the nation right now. Go check him out. I'd love to hear you start weighing pros and cons of individual candidates. Uh, Like what candidates? I like to have candidates on all the time. So if you if there's a particular candidate. Then uh, also there is a new. I'm going to post it after the show, but I I got to make sure I program it in my car. There is a new conservative talk radio channel, Spanish language talk radio on Sirius XM. It's called Americano. Um, So I'm going to definitely check that out because I've been saying this for a long time. I don't know why there is no Spanish language conservative news el american does a great job their writers are fantastic i i love reading their stuff um there's a lot of good journalists over there as well el american give them a shout out give them a follow they're fantastic um but like a a latino spanish language conservative news station surprised there isn't one so americano is is the first of its kind it's going to be all i think it's all in spanish um and it's launched by a guy I believe in Miami. So, uh, the news, even the news, Latino news outlets will always be hesitant to talk about human smuggling of people and open borders. Yeah, they don't want to talk about it either. Costco pizza is ten dollars. Oh man, we are really in the end times when Costco pizza is ten dollars. His documentaries are rad. Yeah, uh, when it comes to Jorge Ventura, check him out. I'm in New York City. The other day, I bought one small bag of groceries. It was almost ninety dollars. Yeah. Was that at the grocery store or is that one of those bodegas? Because gubernatorial cans, I'm familiar with the fact that like bodegas are a little bit more expensive. Also, you have like those bougie kind of grocery stores in New York City, like Whole Food and stuff like that. I don't even really know where people go grocery shopping in New York City. Are there supermarkets, right? I guess the areas that I've always been in, there wasn't always big supermarkets. Um, gubernatorial cans, Daniel Mercury. Are you saying you want me to have Daniel Mercury on or you want me to talk about him? I like Team Tremino and Rainet Senum 2.0. The two of them paired up with their ideas would be awesome. Hmm. James Clug started translating his stuff in Spanish. Smart. It was my local supermarket in the hood. Okay, so there was a supermarket. Yeah, Trader Joe's is in New York City. Yeah, L American puts out English and Spanish. So, um, if you don't speak Spanish or you can't read uh, Spanish, uh, then you can also check out just their English language, which is very good as well. So, definitely check them out. They do they do both. So, they do it's not just Spanish language. Um, oh, you'd like to me to have Daniel Mercury on? Okay. Uh, who are my? What are my thoughts about Governor? Uh, you know, the thing about Governor is. And if you saw my post earlier, which is that I already sort of called the race for Gavin Newsom, because out of the names that I saw, I don't really think there's a big name that was going to legitimately challenge Gavin Newsom. Um, And I think that's also a reason why bigger names like Kevin Faulkner, who could raise outraise all those candidates uh, and get the nomination probably why he stepped away from this one, because I think a lot of people are just going to avoid challenging Newsom. He's got the money, he's got the backing, he's got the political machine behind him. He's been building that political machine for decades. I mean, he's, he was County supervisor, he's mayor, then he was Lieutenant governor. Um, So um, in terms of like, he's had a political machine and he's well connected. Um, And and I think it's sort of a, a fool's errand to really get involved in the governor's race because as you can see in the point of this whole talk today is the governor doesn't really do those kooky and crazy laws and legislation that really impact us on a day-to-day basis. And yeah, the governor has some say over proposals um, and I, I, I don't think it's as important as the legislature. And I think the legislature is way more important and I think you could make a bigger Difference. I think you can make a way bigger difference if you start to balance out the supermajority, where you can, um, where you can make real impact, where you can get bills through, or you could stop crazy bills. That's where I think the, the energy and focus really should be is flipping the legislature, not the governor is an uphill battle because the numbers are just, you're, you're facing a two to one voter disadvantage. Um, unless you completely wipe the floor with independence, with which independents tend to break Democratic anyway, especially here in California. So you, you have an uphill battle, right? And that could take a couple cycles to kind of change that. But if you balance out the state legislature, you remove that ability for them to ramrod through a lot of crazy bills and a lot of crazy stuff and also make it veto proof, because even if you were to magically say, let's say the recall passed and Larry Elder was installed, um, it wouldn't really change a lot. There's probably a lot he could do with his executive branch and a lot of the agencies. But it wouldn't change the fact that Democrats could still pass their legislation. And even if you vetoed it, it would just go back to them and they would just pass it anyway because they have a veto-proof supermajority. So that's how important the legislature is in my mind. Um, Another thing I was hoping for is even though I I fully expect that Gavin Newsom will win pretty handedly and pretty easily in the election coming up, I was hoping for what I call a blueprint candidate, someone who we could kind of look at and go, are they trying something different? Are they not just doing the same old tired talking points? And can we learn from this and move forward across the state? That stuff is really important because you have to remember candidates when they run, they do collect a lot of data and they collect a lot of data and polling and make a lot of connections. And that information is really important. And if you have a candidate who's trying something different, who's trying different um, policies or way to talk to voters, and it's registering, and you're seeing a positive impact, that's like a blueprint candidate for me where you go, okay, that's the blueprint. Um, That's the blueprint of you have to do this to get voters to pay attention to you. And you have to do this to get not only your base, because your base, if you're a Republican, is very small in California, you have to be able to reach across the aisle. And that's one issue I have with a lot of people who are like, well, we got to go. The, the reason California keeps Republicans keep losing the Republican race because they don't go conservative enough. That's the opposite of what you should do in California for running for statewide race. You shouldn't be trying to appease your small, far conservative base even more. Yeah, Frenchie. Yeah, Winnie is is she's out. She is deep in sleep right now. Um, it's like ASMR. Like you can just hear the, the background noise of her sleeping um so where was I going um yeah if you're if your solution is the reason we don't win with Republican governors in California is because they're not conservative enough that's the complete opposite way you should be thinking uh there are certain districts that you could possibly be more conservative and win yeah there's like um but you have to be able to kind of you thought it was a drill no it's it's just just Frenchies. Frenchies have their short little faces, and they have problems snoring and sleeping. So um, she's fine though; she's healthy. Um, that's just part of their makeup. Frenchies is that you can hear them snore a lot. Um, so that's why I'm. Not, you know, the governor's race to me is not as important as a lot of these smaller races. The, the, the and I shouldn't say smaller because they're not smaller in importance. They're smaller in terms of. You know they're not statewide; they're a district, and um, that's why I think it's more important to focus on those. And that's what I'm I'm trying to focus on. Is a lot of people running for assembly or county supervisor because you start making a splash here and there, and then all of a sudden um, you start to flip things. And you never know; one seat could make all the difference when it comes to your local politics here in San Diego. When flipping one seat on the county supervisor board changes the board from Democrat run to Republican run. Now, what does that do? It means someone like Nathan Fletcher can't be chair anymore and he can't push through his radical, crazy proposals. Um, that's the difference. It's one seat. So if you put all your effort into one seat, you've radically changed your county supervisor's And now you're you're not worried about the county supervisors putting through a whole bunch of crazy stuff. You change the mayor of one city. All of a sudden, the mayor of one city can make a huge impact. You change the city council member of one city. Now, all of a sudden, your city council isn't getting so crazy and they're not doing crazy stuff. Um, So that's why I say these races, you can have a much bigger impact and money that's funneled to these smaller races can have a much bigger impact on the whole of California than governor. And governor is just one person. And you can see that local politics, when done correctly, can insulate yourself from the radicalness of California a little bit. And we saw that during COVID. You saw counties and cities basically just give the middle finger to Gavin Newsom and say, like, "Um, we're not going to abide what you're doing, and we're not going to enforce it. The mayor of El Cajon here in San Diego, Bill Wells, He basically said, I'm not going to shut down businesses like you can be open and I'm not going to shut you down. Like, even though they were saying you have to shut down, you have to shut down, you have to close and you have to do all these crazy things. Bill Wells went, I'm not going to waste police resources in El Cajon. We have much bigger issues um, and I'm not going to waste it. That's one mayor. And he protected his whole city from the craziness of California. And that's why it is so imperatively important. You just don't worry about who's running for governor. Uh, And in this race, I I really don't think there's the only one interesting storyline that I would be interested in seeing is whether Anthony Tremino can make a run and knock off Brian Dolly and get the nomination. He's got a huge uphill battle because Brian Dolly is the establishment darling of the Republican Party. They basically have all lined up behind Brian Dolly. But it would be interesting to see if. He could make a run and win, because if he makes a run and win, then you have a, a an outsider, someone who hasn't been an establishment Republican guy, Uh, and he's going to run. He's going to run as a businessman, and he would be on the state stage. Maybe he's a blueprint candidate. Maybe he's someone we look at and go, okay, can we learn from him? Can we learn from his run? Will he beat Gavin Newsom? I don't think so, because he's got a lot of work to do ahead of him. Um, but at the same time, it's, uh, it would be interesting to see that it might, it might be sort of a, a John Cox, Travis Allen issue where, you know, Travis Allen back then in 2018 was the grassroots guy. And then you had right now, Tremino, I think is more of the grassroots guy and the establishment darling back then was John Cox. Now you have John Cox is really the, or John Cox, Brian Dolly is the, um, establishment guy and he's qualified. He's qualified to speak at the convention. We'll see. I mean, he made a big run for delegates in the last push up until finalization. And, um, we'll, we'll be interesting. I'll be watching it because I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in all of it. Do I think it's going to have any impact on the outcome of the election? No, I'd put a thousand dollars of my own money right down now and say like Gavin Newsom's going to win. Um, And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's the reality. And the only way we can really move forward is if we kind of like have a hard look at ourselves and say, we got to look at ourselves and say like, yeah, it's, it's, you know, we got to do better. Like that's how you really, you got to have like a self-reflection, self-intervention. What do you think of Michael Schellenberger? I actually started reading his book, San Francisco, very good book, um, I'd be interested to see if he if he makes it. I mean, I don't know if he'll make it on the ballot. It's tough as an independent because he doesn't have a party that supports him. Um, you know, when the nomination comes out from the Republican Party, there's going to be a huge push to get that guy on the ballot. And there may be a chance he does get on the ballot. Um, but he's very smart. And I think he, he brings up a lot of good issues and definitely read his book, San Francisco. I put it on hold, oh, I don't know, probably six or seven months ago at this, at the public library, and finally, um, I finally got it, so, yeah, it gives you an idea how popular the book was. Uh, do you think, for example, in the future, if the legislature has bipartisanship, would there be less voting for in California, since there's an issue in the state? Um... I don't really know how to answer that. Like, do you think like there'll be more passing? The problem is I don't think a lot of the stuff that's been done in California will be undone in terms of election laws until you flip the legislature. And that could take a while. Um, But to keep in mind, it's tough to cheat on every single election. I know a lot of people in here believe that all the elections are rigged and I'm not saying a lot of people in here. I think a lot of people in here are, are common sense kind of people who want to get into real discussion. I should say a lot of people who reach out to me say like, it's rigged. It's, it's not going to make a difference. Every election's rigged. It doesn't really matter. If that were the case, then there would be a hundred percent of the legislature would be Democrat and a hundred percent of everything would be Democrat. And like a Democrat would never lose a race. Um, there's a lot of races. It's a lot to coordinate. Um, could there be funny business in races? Yeah, sure. There's always been. Uh, it's human error. People make mistakes. Um, but in terms of like getting rid of like universal mail and ballot and stuff like that, I don't think that's going to happen until you flip the legislature. So, <clears throat> I think it's more likely that Newsom will run for U.S. Senate once Feinstein. Um, well, I mean, there's always been cheating in American elections since the dawn of time. Like I, you know, it, it used to be um, back in the day. uh, This was around like turn of the century. Back in the day, it used to be, you would have two lines for a Republican and Democrat, because you would go in there and you get in line and you'd, you'd walk up to your box and vote for your guy. So you basically anybody could see you and be like, Ah, oh, hey Dave. I see you're voting Republican. That's good. Uh, so there was no secret ballot. It was basically you got in line and voted for your party. Uh, and and a lot of union not well union bosses and a lot of big corporate tycoons like Rockefeller and and all them at that time would actually send out goons and stuff and be like, you know, they'd kind of look at them and strong arm him and be like, "You sure you want to make that vote for uh, you know William Jennings Bryant, who wanted to." break up the trust. Do you want You sure you want to vote for that guy? Um, then all of a sudden they'd be like, no, you know what? I I changed my mind and they vote for the other guy. So yeah, I mean, there's been cheating and funny business in American politics and elections for a long, long time. And they always are trying to figure out how to do that. So if you think it's bad now, think about what it would have been like back then when people knew who you were voting for based on what line you were getting into. And then people could kind of strong arm you at the polls. That, that was crazy. Uh, quick question. Uh, yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. You can just go ahead with a question. Unions were heavy into influencing corruption for decades. They still are. I mean, California is run by a lot of public unions. Thoughts on the precinct project. I don't know what that is. I don't know what the precinct product project is. You'd have to DM me to let me know more about it. How can union members hold the union members accountable for being involved in politics? Um, I don't know. I, I it's that's really union rules. I don't know what the unions. I mean, you pay dues for the unions to kind of advocate on your behalf. Um, I don't know. I guess you could. Are there meetings? or the do they vote? Do they do the members get to say like we don't want you to be involved in this stuff anymore, so don't do this anymore? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I don't really know how you get them to stop being involved. Teachers union, one of the main unions that run California, especially the education system in the state. Yep. I mean, teachers union was the start of. They were the reason why there was there was no in-person school for a long time. So uh, they pushed back on a lot of it because they asked for all these different things and they asked for all these different uh, stipulations and they wanted this and they wanted that and they wanted ventilation systems and all this. And then it just got to a point where it's like, you know, they had to open eventually because they were like the rest of the country was open. Um, let's see. Future topic, pros and cons of Citizen United versus FCC. I would love to hear your thoughts. That's a good one. Yeah. A lot of people don't really know about Citizens United, um, but it'd be interesting. It's a, it's a big case. Do, 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 low key. I think the teachers union because, uh, I am Holtz homeschool. Uh, there's a bunch of parents I know who are homeschooling. Um, so Good for you. And I guess it's not as hard as people think it is. They always go, I don't, I can't do the homeschooling thing. A lot of people are like, no, it's actually a lot easier than you think. And you can definitely do it. So, um, but yeah. All right. Last couple questions and then I got to run. I got to, uh, what are your thoughts on the convention of states? I think it's, if it could happen, I think it'd be great. Um, but, uh, you know if people aren't really familiar with the convention of the states is there's a provision in the constitution uh correct me if i'm wrong is it article 5 i think it is article 5 where the can, the states can get together and propose an amendment um outside of the legislature outside of congress uh, because usually it's congress who proposes an amendment and then they vote on the amendment and then it has to go through the States as well, but the States can also get together and propose amendments. Um, so that's something that Mark Levin has been working on for a long time. Uh, he's a great radio guy. Uh, one guy I used to listen to a lot. He's also hilarious. Uh, yells a lot. I'm, it's not my style. I don't yell a lot. Um, but I know that they're, they're, they're got a good amount of them. Like they're not too far off from getting the amount that they want, uh, and it could be really interesting to see if a convention of states actually happens and they get a, an amendment passed. And then, like, if they have this block of states that can always propose amendments, it would be interesting to see if they could propose amendments like term limits. Um, I saw one idea for an amendment on TikTok, which I thought was one of the most fantastic ideas, is that anybody who serves in Congress uh, has to, the their, their salary will be the median salary of their district. Is it their district? Or I think it's the median salary of the United States. So whatever the median salary of the United States is at that time, that's the salary that you get. And you also cannot make any income from other sources, meaning you can't have another business. You can't have investments. Like you get paid the median income when you're there and that's it. And it'll be fixed at that amount. It'll go up within, obviously, the median if it goes up and down. Um, I thought that was a great, that was a really, really great idea for a constitutional amendment. I was like, see how many people would rush to Congress if they're not getting paid $170,000 plus all the money that they make on the side for everything else they do. A lot of people wouldn't be rushing to Congress. They'd be like... "Um, Like, well, I don't really want to do that because I have to take a pay cut. Um, But it could happen under the the convention of the states. You never know. Because the states are, they have a different interest. States have a much different interest than the federal government. And hopefully we start to see more of the idea of federalism in our country coming back. Federalism kind of died for a while. And I know the Supreme Court is trying to bring back a lot of federalist ideas where the states have a lot of power in uh, contradiction to the federal government. That's why they set it up the way they did. I mean, that would be an interesting topic for one day. Is just to kind of go over, why do we have federalism, and why are state legislatures so important? Why do I keep railing on state legislatures, know, um, why do I focus only on state legislatures and not really congressional people? Because congressional people don't really go off to Congress and change anything here on the on the day to day. So that's what I'm more focused on. I'm focused on who's fixing stuff here right now. I'm not focused on who's going to Congress. And voting on the next military budget, you know, like that doesn't really change my life too much. It may, well, actually it may change a little bit because it's San Diego and we have a lot of military here, but, uh, in terms of like my life, it doesn't really change, but like bills that are being passed right now in the state legislature, those things can affect your life. So, all right, with that, thank you to everyone who tuned on or tuned in. As always, thank you for uh, your support and following. I saw a couple of people picked up or put in their their cart the uh, support nuclear stop brownout support nuclear shirt. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you for your support. Like I said, all of this goes to improving the platform, making it bigger. Uh, New equipment, stuff like that, whether it's better video cameras or more assistance for video editing, or possibly just throwing it out there, just a little little teaser. Possibly a California Underground TV show um, that may be filmed locally. Don't know, but um, that would be fun to have a little bit of a TV show more than just the YouTube live stuff like that. But all of your support does go back to be reinvested into growing the platform. So again, I thank you all. Uh, If you know people who are interested in this, the best thing you can do is share it. That's really the best thing that you can do. Uh, the, The sharing of one thing to somebody else is more powerful than any review. Like you could put reviews on my podcast all day long. But the real power is in you guys who are sharing it and saying, hey, are you frustrated about California politics, you should tune in to this guy he likes I like the cut of his jib or whatever you want to say or any of those catchy phrases cut of his jib is probably from the 1940s or something like that but um yeah if you like this program and you know people who would like to learn more or are interested in it please share the podcast we do this live every Wednesday at 9 a.m uh and then there's an audio podcast that comes out right after so if you missed it and you want to listen to it again You can always listen to the audio. It's on Spotify, Google, Apple, all that stuff. Um, And share. So thank you again, everyone supporting. I'll see you tomorrow night at back to normal time at 8 p.m. Oh, my God. How old are you? I'm not that old. I'm just a I'm an old soul. Maybe that's what it was. I'm an old soul who likes to use really old phrases like the cut of your jib. I said that once. I said the cut of your jib. And someone looked at me. I was like, I don't know. Did you just insult me? I was like. It's it's a compliment. Don't worry. Um, But yeah, tomorrow back at 8 p.m. on Thursday, we'll be talking about the bills that are still left out there that are where are they, where are they going, and that way we know and we can keep pushing back and keep letting people know our dissatisfaction with a lot of them. So until then, thank you all for tuning in, and I will catch you on the next one. Later,